0: What's up, world? One way that you can support the show is by liking and subscribing on any platform you're listening to. And don't forget to check out our Clips channel on YouTube. Thank you for supporting the show. We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone
1: struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey, everybody, what's happening? I am Cameron.
0: And I am Willie. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell
1: podcast. You are now listening and watching Cameron and Willie <laughs> on the show. Cameron. Yeah, well, I happen to be dominating the conversation right now because that's what I do.
0: Yeah. You're in okay that with seat. It. You're in that seat. Yeah. Willie, how are you, my friend? As, as you, I, I am exactly as I should be. What does that mean? It means Explain I'm, I'm well. Yes. As I should be. Because you do the work. Because I'm doing the work to be well. Oh, okay. It's nice. Yeah. Have some support. Have some direction. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, good. Yeah. Created you look, you look good.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's what Avery told me, too. I'm not feeling it. But luckily, you know, as we've said before, I don't necessarily see myself the way that other people see me. So. I know. It's a hard thing to do to, to, be to be take a, a compliment sometimes. It seems to be a pattern. Right.
1: You know? <laughs> you know what else is a pattern? You finding a way to nitpick our topic into the open conversation.
0: Uh, yeah, you leave it wide open.
1: I know, I actually do it on purpose. It's my pattern. You make it easy for me. No. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you, man. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. And I am glad to be here with all you folks. And uh, and yeah, today we are going to talk about <laughs> patterns. Yeah. Patterns, like good patterns, bad patterns, thought patterns, negative patterns, survival patterns, all the patterns that we see. An experience in our lives. I patterns want, create our life. Yeah, I, I know that uh, when I was using and drinking, I had a uh, a, a number of different patterns, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know. I don't know about you. I I would imagine that you probably had some similar instances of, yeah. of, of patterns, and it wasn't really something I was able to recognize until you know I had exited that space and sort of looked back in retrospect. And said, man, I sort of had this pattern going where I would drink and use. I would drink and use. It would get excessively worse and worse. And then there'd be an incident, right? Yeah. Where It was just like over the top too much. <laughs> like maybe I, you know, I almost died or I got, in, got into some trouble somehow with, you know, friends or loved ones or did something really idiotic, ended up in the hospital or whatever the case was and it was like okay i gotta stop this right i gotta stop all this nonsense and then i would you know well usually it wasn't like i was gonna cut something i was gonna like stop everything all at once it was like i gotta stop drinking
0: right the pills are okay i gotta stop drinking bourbon
1: right yeah right yeah maybe i'll just stick to wine yeah Right. Or beer or whatever, you know, like one of the, the insane things that we did. Right. Or I'm not going to, I'm just going to smoke weed. That's probably the most common one. one. Yeah. I'm just going to smoke weed, but you know, and then I would do good for a while and then I would justify, I've been doing good for a minute, you know, I'll probably okay if I have a drink. Yeah. And then slowly, but surely boom, 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 boom. boom. And same thing would happen all over again. Cycle back. There you go. I mean, there's there's my negative pattern. And I wanted to talk about it because I'm able to still sort of recognize those today mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in, instances in my lives, so like where I can see, you know, both negative and positive patterns that are, that are happening and taking place. And so I felt like it was worth, you know, talking about because there is uh, you know, how do we break those patterns? How do, right. how do we sort of recognize those and put a stop to those patterns and, and really do enough work that we're able to to move past and, and, and move out of those loops that we get into. Right. right. Um, so when I say patterns, do you, do you identify with that? Are you able to see that in your own life or, 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 or what are your thoughts on Yeah. That? The,
0: the thing I keep that keeps popping up in my head is something that Tom Billy, said on one of his videos, he's, he's the, he's the host of impact theory. And, um, he said, we are pattern recognition machines. Mm. And so, Part of our survival, you know, as, as a species has been based upon our ability to recognize patterns. And so what addiction did for me was it, it numbed my ability to recognize negative patterns. You know, sure, uh, sure. It, it took me out of a place where normally if if I'm not intoxicated, I can recognize these unhealthy patterns in my life and, and stop them. Right. Uh, if I had a pattern or a habit if you will, of like stabbing myself in the leg every day, sober, I would identify that pattern quickly, but, um, and, and, and eliminate it. However, unfortunately, like, like the, the addiction part of the pattern was so subtle and it's so, uh, reoccurring that it took me a really long time to recognize that I would get into those situations I would promise myself something. The next day, a feeling would come up. I wouldn't like that feeling. I would forget that I had made the promise right. to myself the night before, right. or it would become five o'clock, and eh, yesterday wasn't quite as bad, you know. And that that was kind of a pattern for me was, mm-hmm. I would I would go out into my addiction. I would use and I would drink. I would harm myself and others. Um, I would. Unfortunately, not blackout, so I had to remember that what I did the night before. The next day, I would make the promise that today I'm not going to indulge in that behavior. Thus, not drinking, just gonna smoke weed, whatever you know. Like right. you're talking about, uh, my day would progress. I would start feeling a little bit better. You know, the the alcohol poisoning would start wearing off. Right. I would start forgetting that. uh you know it wasn't that they kind of deserved it or whatever the excuse may be I slowly start talking myself back into you know the fear of not drinking like mm-hmm. what am I going to eat that that would crop up and, and then I would eventually get to the point where okay it's time for a drink it's 5 o'clock or, or whatever the excuse was and as soon as I put one in everything was out you know all bets were off and it was right. time to indulge and then the same thing I did the night before would happen that night. Mm-hmm. Exact same thing. The, the the harm, the self-abuse, the the alcohol poisoning, the drug addiction, the unsafe sex, the violence, all the things that came along with it the night before that made me not want to do that the night of right. would come back that night. And the next morning, gosh, that's, you know... Two years in a row <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> do this, mm-hmm. and and the pattern would continue. And that's basically for me what I think of when I think of patterns is, you know, uh, something reoccurring over and over and over right. and over and over happening in, you know, into infinity. But mm-hmm. uh, luckily, I am a pattern recognizing machine, and and there were some patterns that I didn't like, and. Thus, asked for help, right? With, mm-hmm. so, and is that is that
1: the the way that you've been able to sort of get out of those loops or, or break those patterns is by asking for help and, and yeah. also being open to, doing the work.
0: Yeah, getting honest about the fact that there is a pattern there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it works, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know how, I was able to 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 be put into recovery situation. You know, um, if you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, you're like I am. Right. You've been put into a position to hear a message. Mm-hmm. And that that's what happened with me was I was put into a position to hear a message. And as I as I listened to that and people would tell their stories, I could recognize in myself those same things that were going on with that person. Mm-hmm. And, and I stuck it or stuck it out long enough now that, yeah, you know. So in early sobriety, there was a there was definitely a pattern of negativity, and self doubt, right? Um, and so yes, asking for help with negativity and self doubt helped me get out of those patterns. You know, I thought early on that if I could just quit drinking, mm-hmm. if I could just quit using, then everything would straighten out. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't enough. You know, mm-hmm. because the negative thoughts and and the this self-harm emotional self-harm continued you know because of the negative self-talk right that stuff continued and so the pattern of self-harm didn't quit just because I got sober
1: right right
0: you mm. know it took work and it took help um, so yeah you know fortunately uh, somebody else said they had this negative loop and they asked for help and they were given the help and I tried it and it and it's and it's working right. It's working now. Yeah, it continues to work. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like I asked for help and it, there's there's probably some things that I don't remember I used to struggle with, right? Like there's probably some things that I have gotten over. I don't know. Right. But there's some things that I definitely have not gotten over and I have to continue to ask for help and I have to continue to work towards those things cuz they continue to not feel good. Like mm-hmm. the negative self-talk mm-hmm. continues to not feel good. And some days it's like throw my hands in the air like I'm never gonna get it. Sure. I'm never gonna get it, and and then you know it comes back around like come on Willie, you you'll be okay. Right. You'll get it one of these days. Just don't give up right now. Right. You know, measure backwards like mm-hmm. my coach always says. Mm-hmm. Measure measure backwards. Where are you now versus where you used to be? And I could do that with my addiction too. Mm-hmm. You know where i used to you know one was enough right yeah. <laughs> and then as it progressed you know it continued to take more and more and more and by the time it got to the end of my where i got sober this last time i could measure back and see that there was a lot of damage done right, you right. right?
2: yeah so. well
1: i mean i really appreciate hearing that and i think you know when it when it comes to these patterns, the the key thing in sort of changing it would seem to be to recognize it first, right? Like, we have to sort of recognize it, and and in a way, like in in my own case, anyways, like understand it, like why do I why do I have these patterns? Like, for instance, and and specifically, what I'm thinking of are like survival patterns, right? Like, Mm -hmm. these are the patterns that I've developed that are are maybe negative in behavior, but have been developed or I've come up with them because at some point they've allowed me to avoid something that is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like what I'm, what I'm thinking of specifically is let's say for example um, you know, when I was in junior high, I uh, I had an incident with a teacher where, you know, I went to raise my hand and I, you know, made a comment about something and then I proceeded to like, go into a story about the comment that I made and this teacher like shut me down. He was like, he was like, nah, you know, like let's move on. And, and it was traumatizing for me so much so that I, I never decided to raise my hand Uh again. Right. So it's like I would get into this pattern of like avoiding being outgoing enough to, to talking to people because of that trauma that I experienced. And so the survival pattern is I'm going to avoid that situation and that circumstance in order to avoid the possibility of feeling that same discomfort or trauma that I experienced in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so like that survival pattern has come from a place, right? It's come from a place of surviving in order to avoid that discomfort. Right but like ultimately like was that a good thing like for me not necessarily because it's important that I'm vocal and that I am open to sharing my ideas and my thoughts and and with people and and to recognize as well that you know this teacher I'm sure he had he was well-meaning for the class like he wanted to keep things attentive and and moving on and and yeah, it probably
0: had and, nothing to do with you
1: yeah exactly you know like and um but it was very easy for me to obviously take it personal and mm-hmm. and i think that too is like a very impressionable age yeah um and so anyways the bottom line is like these patterns don't just they're they're not just they they usually come from they from, evolve yeah from a certain place and they do evolve over right. time right there's reasons why they're there and so it's important to sort of recognize those patterns where they may come from in order to then say you know what like in those moments now where I'm, you know, in these situations that feel similar and, you know, I'm presented with an option to raise my hand or share an idea or whatever the case is. And I feel that resistance. Sure. Because that's that's the pattern, right? And I say, you know what? Like, I'm feeling that way because this is sort of how it always feels because <laughs> of that one instance. Right. And it doesn't mean anything like... know and push past that in order to establish a new pattern right um and so i think for me personally it's been very important to investigate and do the work in order to figure out where that pattern is coming from what it is i'm trying to protect and see essentially if it's worth protecting
0: yeah
1: and play it through and say is that the end of the world if like you know, if, if if what I'm trying to protect myself from actually comes to fruition, is it the end of the world? Like, am I going to
0: die? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, what's the consequence of...
1: Right. Well, and it's just like when we were drinking and using, like, I would get into these these same situations where, you know, like, I'm after a drink. I'm after, like, after a certain amount of time, like I said, I would choose to, like, reward myself with a drink or with a drug or whatever the case is because I've been a good boy and there hasn't been any consequences for the last (laughs) little while like and ultimately like where's that pattern coming from like well it's coming from this sense of me being so uncomfortable in my own skin that I can only handle it for X amount of days in a row before I've just got to get out of my own I got to get out of my head and alter my state of thinking in order to cope with the things in the world around me, yeah, or the world inside, the world inside me, yeah, exactly.
0: The world wind inside right, me, right, right.
1: And so then it was like, okay, well then what's what's really going on? And that was something that I had to address, like in recovery. Is like, what's really going on with me? Like, why do I have this desire to to continue to do this? And something that I had heard um, in a meeting that maybe prompted a little bit of this. Um, This discussion is there was um, this lady who was sort of sharing her story and she had, I think she had like, I think she had a year of recovery and she was just saying that this last time before she got sober, her brother turned to her and said, how come every three years you just completely burned your life to the ground? Hmm. And it was like, huh, yeah. I can recognize that, right? Like, and and the thing is, is that oftentimes it is those people around us who can see those patterns more so than we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, you know, I can recognize that sort of. Oh yeah, I'm gonna something really dramatic is gonna happen. Like, I'm gonna lose it all, and then I'm gonna pull my head out of my ass. I'm going to strive to get better and then eventually I'm going to get complacent and I'm going to burn it all to the ground again and just start all over Right. and and continue that pattern and that process. And it's like, well, today I don't have to do that luckily, but I can recognize and, and I can identify with that person saying that, that thing to her, you know, Yeah. and really see, man, like there was so much happening in my life that the people around me were very very aware of long before I was identifying it as a negative pattern or, or whatever the yeah. case may be.
0: Yeah. Because they, they knew, mm-hmm. you know, they knew it was coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you said something that made me think about the fact that, that we find safety in, in those patterns for, for whatever reason, regardless of how damaging they are. Um, because when you were, you were sharing, um, I remember like so, so the fir- my first attempt at sobriety was obviously a failure. Like, well, it it didn't work out. Like, I I relapsed. Mm-hmm. You know, my first attempt at sobriety, and coming back to to tell on myself about my relapse. You know, I I had gotten I had gotten out of treatment um, when I was twenty four, and I already had uh, a pattern and a habit of trying to convince myself that I'm not going to use again after I would use, you know, a lot of us get into that loop sure. of, of of um I don't I don't know what to call it. It's it's that loop of of not again tonight like I was talking about before. And so I went to treatment and when I got out I relapsed and um it was really difficult for me to go and tell the people in my group that sure. I had relapsed, mm-hmm. right? But it went so well right <laughs> it I, wasn't as painful as you thought well, it was be. it was yeah, okay. it was but it didn't kill me mm. right and i've seen this several times with other people will go you know it went so well that that it made it the next time i relapsed made it a little bit easier mm. to go back and tell him again right and then the next time i relapsed Made it a little bit easier to accept that I relapsed, and that that put me in a place where I wasn't able to get any time. You know, I wasn't I I stopped trying to go back and admit my failures. Mm. Right, it just made it easier for that because I had a pattern of failure and growth, failure and growth. But I wasn't really growing. But the fear of talking about it became uh, unnecessary. Like right. I didn't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. you know and so as as i look at the survival patterns that i have you know my too came from trauma right you know mine too came from a place of not wanting to be harmed and wanting to be safe and so i learned a pattern of lying very young and that continued all the way through my entire life to where now you know there's there's times that i still will consider lying when the truth would would serve me better you know my first instinct is to Even, even though I don't need to, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, I'm so, I'm so conditioned. I've conditioned myself so much to protect me from the great unknown. Right. Right. That, um, it's, it's just one of my first instincts is to protect myself Mm -hmm. and, and the patterns that I built through my addiction and recovery are those patterns that are subconsciously designed to keep me alive, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? These, these things are going to keep me alive. And I'm tricked myself into the idea that emotions will kill me. That, that uh, emotional responses to what other people think will kill me. And so... Interesting. I've, yeah. You know, I've had, I've had patterns based around that. Negative patterns where I'm not going to get close to you because if I do then I'm going to have to be honest. And if I'm honest, then you'll find out who I am. And if you find out who I am, you're going to reject me. And if you reject me, then I will die. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. everything is really a big facade. And I keep repeating that and repeating that and repeating that and repeating that until the pain of living in that cycle gets so much that I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whatever is suggested to stop that. Even though I don't know what the outcome of that is going to be, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm willing to do the work in order to stop that pattern in order to stop that behavior so that I can hopefully get a perspective on. And for whatever reason, you know, I still don't quite understand why I suddenly became in, why I suddenly got a craving for life Mm -hmm. after, after such a long time of using and drinking. I don't know. I don't know why I decided I wanted to live, but I accept it. And because that happened to me, because I got a craving for life and decided, you know what, this is the only life that I have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, what can I do to have a better way of life? I started listening and I started paying attention to those patterns so that when the fear comes up, I don't run straight to the honey bun. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That I don't run straight to the ice cream section. I don't run straight to the alcohol. I don't run straight to the relationship. You know, um, now the new pattern is a little more healthy mm-hmm. you know because there is healthy patterns also right
1: right yeah yeah
0: you know but recognizing those patterns it could be a bitch sometimes it can be tricky oh yeah you know it, it helps to have some help
1: yeah I, and i think that that's that's sort of the the bottom line well i mean i don't know if it's the bottom line but it's an important part of it right like <laughs> right. and because because oftentimes i'm not great at recognizing my own patterns like when somebody points it out to me i can see it very very clearly mm-hmm. but oftentimes i do need that third party perspective in order to really sort of say oh my god like you're you're absolutely right like every time <laughs> this happens this happens like yeah. and and i continue to do it even though it it's it's essentially harming me yeah you know and so like i know there's been a couple of times where you know i've i've shared something with you and you said well this is your pattern right it's and time again, oh yeah it is sort of what I do isn't it like oh man like I gotta I gotta maybe not do that this time yeah and then like what happens in those instances is is I'll get to a, a certain point in that pattern or in that cycle and I'll say well I can do a or B and a would be continuing that pattern or B would be ceasing that pattern mm-hmm and I know if I do A, it's going to get me this particular thing because I've done it over and over and over and over. But I don't know what B's going to do. Mm-hmm. So I might as well try B, you know. But it's funny because you say that, like you say, well, but there is that fear of the unknown. So it's like, well, I almost rather do A because I know what A yeah. is going to do. I know what, what if I continue on this cycle, like what's going to happen, you know. But if I do B, I don't know what's going to happen in fear of the, or, you know, like the unknown is scary and I'm afraid of that. And so I won't try that, Yeah. you know? And so I think ultimately, like it comes down to being optimistic, you know, like yeah. not being afraid of what we don't know, because oftentimes, like, I think that I, I, I have a, a pattern of assuming the worst, right? Like, okay. I always tend to think that whatever is the most harmful or detrimental thing that can happen is what will happen,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And that, like you said, it will kill me, you know? But if I can step back and sort of A, play that through, and B, see the lunacy in that, like, that's illogical to think that A, it will kill me, and B, that that will automatically be what happens. And so if I can step back and say, okay, I don't know if that's true, but if, if, if that is true, will it kill me? No, it will not kill me. Like I might be uncomfortable for a minute, but I'm not going to die. And probably this and this and this will happen if I do that. And so like, is it worth the risk? The unknown? Yeah, it probably is at least today.
0: Yeah. You know, especially to break a negative pattern.
1: Yeah, Absolutely yeah yeah so I mean it's funny but I think that you know there is there is a process that we that we have to go through and I know I specifically have to go through and it does always sort of seem like it comes to a head and then I may, I'm made I'm left with a choice of continuing or ceasing the pattern mm-hmm. and in that instance you know there's one choice that's to be made yeah but I might find myself with that choice again and again and again yeah, yeah. it
0: seems like right, right? yeah yeah, substance may change but the choice is always the same. Mm-hmm. Right? The 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 pain remains mm-hmm. while the solution may change. Kind of like like it's so it, it morphs and changes and like you know, I have to come back to the fact that I'm an alcoholic. And right. so if I'm alcoholic and I believe I'm alcoholic, then maybe I should go to where alcoholics find solutions, you mm-hmm. know, and it it's a there's a wide place for that now. Mm-hmm and if i'm if i listen i pay attention if i want help i will find the help right cuz we always have you know that that hasn't changed you know the the word patterns the word just the word is starting to sound weird because i've said it so many times that's how it goes you know patterns yeah. patterns but i i wonder what the definition you know i know because we're not talking about the patterns on this wall Right, because there's there's a, that kind of pattern. But I wonder what what the definition of patterns is as it pertains to our conversation. So, Jordan's gonna look that up. But you know, I th- there's some that I really appreciate the patterns sure, that I sure. have
1: in my life. Some of those, I mean, not all those survival patterns are gonna be a bad thing, right. right? Like, so like, you know, I don't put my hand on the stove because I did it at one point and it burned me. Yeah, you know, so like. There, there's there's a reason that some of them are there mm-hmm. for sure you know but some of them are illogical based on you know assumed circumstance and it's those patterns that if we like continue to dominate us mm-hmm. are going to eventually just I don't I don't know that they lead to you know death and tragedy but they definitely stunt our growth yeah I'll say that um, and when that's sort of what it's all about, it's like we want to continue to grow. We want to continue to get better and better, then that can be somewhat detrimental.
3: It's a roadblock.
1: Yeah.
3: And so, Jordan, do you have? Yeah, there's there's obviously majority of the definitions are are in regards to what you'd see visually, as far as like patterns to follow and like- needlework or or all that. But the the definition on here that I'm seeing that kind of. I think correlates more to what we're talking about in this essence of the word would be uh, to give a regular or intelligible form to or a model to follow based off of something else's results.
1: Hmm.
0: Sure.
3: Yeah.
1: I'll I'll base my pattern based on what I might see somebody else's results.
0: Sure. I mean, that's why we get coaches, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we get... That's how we build habits. You know, one of the things that my coach always says over and over and over again, I hear him say it all the time, is you show me your, your habits and I'll show you your future, you know. Um, because we can we can get caught up in such negativity <clears throat> that our life will never progress. You know, I've seen it so many times, especially with some old timers in my life, some, some people that uh, are really set in their ways you say yeah. old timers do you mean AA old timers no okay. no just just people of people that have been on the earth for a and a massive amount of years or whatever you know okay I, you know, people that are in my life but like uh,
1: prospectors yeah that's <laughs> like, what i think
0: of every time i think of yeah, it's like, an old timers. yeah an old prospector yeah. and, and they have patterns you know and, and so uh the 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 i guess pattern and habit could go hand in hand but I've watched people hold on to their patterns unto misery it seems mm. right like it seems like some of these patterns can lead straight into misery and if I lived my life the way that they lived their life and and it, I would be miserable mm-hmm. you know based on what I'm seeing them do over and over and over and over again and and unfortunately for some people they never get out of the negative patterns they never get out of uh, they don't, they're not fortunate like we are where we've been able to where we've been given a program and a process and a group of people and, and friendships and you know an online community and all these things that help us uh, break out of these patterns Right. a lot of times it'll take one word unexpectedly you know I'll hear one word unexpectedly from an unexpected source that, that kind of wakes me up to a pattern that I may be in Mm. You know, uh, maybe the, the pattern of, of financial fear, right? Like, is something that's real for me. You know, right. I think it's real for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. right now. Just, just living in the fear of financial unknown, and and what happens for me, you know, for example, when I start living in any certain fear, right? Let's take financial fear. Since we're since since I brought it up. When I start living in that, there's a process that gets me through the other side. It's almost like it's almost like a, a, a treadmill or, or a, a tape or reel-to-reel tape where, you know, something will happen. I'll see a trigger, right? Something will trigger that fear, you know? Sure. And then I will allow that to creep into my psyche. And once it's in my psyche, the pattern begins. And the pattern is... I start thinking of all the negative outcomes right. of what will happen if I don't meet this financial responsibility mm-hmm. overall within my life. And then uh, the, the emotion that comes along with that, the chemical reaction inside of my body starts taking over and I will attach it to every thought that comes into my mind. right? And so the trigger creates the chemical reaction, creates the obsession. Okay. Right. And then I will start and then I will start grabbing for unlikely solutions. Right. Okay. So now I got to, you know, for me, because I'm a small business owner and, and self-employed. Okay. Now I, I need to, I need to take on I need to start working weekends. I need to start mm. working nights. I need sure. to, I need to uh, take on more jobs. I need to go get a, a regular nine to five, you know, hang, right. hang, it up. Yeah. Uh, I need to stop spending money on this thing. I need to stop this, this thing over here, you know, <clears throat> um, all these, all these unlikely solutions start popping up. And then I start getting into fear about how everything's going to change. And so I, I continue to move past that. And at some point, right. And sometimes these, this, this pattern of fear and the, just in the financial area, sometimes that thing can last for hours, mm-hmm. sometimes it can last for seconds. I've seen it last for as long as several days. Sure. Okay. But the the pattern is the same. The trigger, you know, the chemical reaction, the obsession. Um and then I start, for whatever reason, I start moving into logical solutions. Right? Like, okay, I recognize, oh. I'm in that loop. Mm -hmm. I'm in that old friendly loop. Mm -hmm. Right. I go, okay, let's, let's think this through. And so I start thinking that through, like, have I ever, has it, has it ever like not happened? You know, have I come this far and fell? You know, what's the worst thing that could happen if I don't meet this obligation or that obligation? Am I doing everything that I can? what are some logical things that I can change? Where are some directions that I can go? Have I taken a breath in the last 10 minutes right. Well, I'm, and I start coming back around to solution, you know? And I know that if I'm not in, in fear or in some negative loop, I know that it's going to come. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to enjoy the time that I'm not in it, but that pattern is going to repeat itself. Right. And I know that it's coming, and I know that it's coming because it continually has came.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, and so the important thing for, like, negative thought patterns, the negative loops, um, for me, is to recognize that they're there and that they're mine, right? And to be
1: okay with it, right? Like, yeah. Accept it. Yeah. I, mean,
0: um, I, I can't always, like, a lot of times I'll be in that, that space, and I won't know that I'm in that space until I recognize that like I'll be balls deep in a negative thought and then realize that I'm in a negative thought. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Know, oh like, yeah. Like, oh fuck. I'm I'm deep in the forest. Mm-hmm. And and that's where having um I called you I called you the other day and I left you a message mm-hmm. about about like just having all this self doubt. Yeah, and, yeah. And like, it, like, I just asked, like, like, you ever get that way? And then right. you call me back. You're like, ah, oh, no, I never get <laughs> like that. Let me tell you just how, how much I never get into right. that space, you know, because we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I will try to convince myself that these patterns aren't acceptable, right? These thought patterns aren't acceptable. Behavior patterns are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, behavior patterns, there's some behavior patterns that are not acceptable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right? And so, um, one of the things that I had to come out of, you know, was a negative sexual behavior. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, was, it was a bad relationship to ba- bad relationship to bad relationship. Right? And, and the pattern was, I would get a desire. I would find someone to fulfill that desire. That desire would be fulfilled, right? The desire for that desire would be lifted, and the relationship would no longer be needed. And so the 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 pattern of that was 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 complete selfishness. Oh yeah. But I would take I would take it and I would ride it through, and me and the other person would end up harmed.
1: Right. Right.
0: Until the desire came back up, and then I would forget about all the pain that came along with it before. I would get the desire. I'd find one some someone to fulfill the desire. I would fulfill that desire. The desire for the desire would be gone. And so would the relationship. And and that's not okay for me. Right, right. Right? right? And and I'm not I'm not putting judgment on any sexual behavior yeah, at all. I you know, it. what what I'm talking about is a negative pattern that harmed me spiritually mm-hmm. and emotionally. And until I was able to do the work and, and start to understand what desires are okay and how to fulfill them and, and where to where to place my energies and what work to do and and all those things, until, until I had a program and other people that would help me and until I would open up and be honest about the things that I was hiding and working on and didn't know how and wasn't asking the questions, until I put myself and submerged myself in a community of people that suffered like me, I... Continued those patterns, mm-hmm. you know. I continued the behavior patterns. I continued the thought patterns. I continued all the all the negativity and harm under the illusion that someday I'll have it together enough. Like I'll just figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna figure this out. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: You know. So yeah, I don't know if, it, if you can get anything out. No, of all it's so that, funny.
1: Like hearing you talk about you know your relationship the patterns that you had with your relationships. I'm like, (laughs) Yep. Yep. That was me. I did that same thing and it was like, you know, like you said, like once once that desire had been lifted, it was like moving on, right? Yeah. And then once the desire returned, you know, oftentimes it would be a return to that same individual and just rehash that same hurt, (laughs) you know, that I had caused the first time. It's I mean Regardless, just completely negative. But just hearing you talk about it was like hearing me talk about it. And, and you know, that's the one thing I love about, um, you know, being an alcoholic and connecting with other people who, who suffer the, the way that I suffer or or who, who, you know, have the same disease that I have is I, I get to listen to you and go, fuck, this guy knows how I feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this. I, I mean, and, and it's just so great because, uh, because you know, you're absolutely right. Like it, it, it's so important for me to, 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 recognize these patterns in order for me to make any sort of difference in, in, in changing that negative behavior, Yeah. you know, and, and I have to want to change it. Like, dude, what's going on with me? Like, why am I always getting with these chicks that I have like no desire to get with? Like what? You know, and then, you know, by the end of it, like, when it's all said and done, like, I feel like shit, they feel like shit, like, what is going on with me, you know? Yeah. And really just sort of pinpointing is like, well, maybe the reason that I'm doing that is because if I get with somebody that I know I don't want to marry, I'm bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> like, they can break up with me, and it's like, ah, no big deal.
0: Like Yeah.
1: You know, I didn't. I well, well, part
0: of your survival yeah, pattern. Yeah,
1: like it was. It wasn't anything I was serious about anyways. Yeah. You know? So like, it was a way to protect me from rejection. You know. Um, Which there maybe, was a pattern of. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So, so um, just you know, being able to draw those parallels in my life and see like, hey, man, this pattern is stemming from this, this you know, protection. This mm-hmm. this this way that my body or my mind has has generated. In order to protect me from feeling a certain negative feeling that I have associated with, obviously the most crucial and detrimental feeling that a person could feel. Yeah. You know. Um, so it's, uh, it's 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 all very fascinating. I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours um, about the patterns, but I don't know if we have that kind of time.
3: <laughs> you know, I am going to interject though, because just sitting here and listening about this, it just kind of dawned on me that. And it could have been mentioned already by you guys. I'm sure it was, but it's also worth mentioning again if it was. You just not being aware of a pattern is, in fact, itself a pattern. Having inconsistencies in your patterns is, in fact, a pattern. You know, so.
1: Did is just love Jordan?
3: Like, just comes nah. in and just drops truth bombs? <laughs> <laughs> no more
0: wait a minute.
3: Yeah, Yeah, no, I just sit here thinking about that. I was like, wow, no, everything is a pattern. Well, what else could it possibly be but a pattern? So even if you're unaware of it, it's in fact a pattern. Mm -hmm. If you're doing good things and then bad things and there's inconsistency, then you have an inconsistent pattern, which is in fact a
0: pattern. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Even just remaining ignorantly bliss to it all is essentially is a, is a pattern for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Well, I, uh, I want to, I want to get into our war story. story. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have a really good war story from uh, from Amy yes. today, who I think, you know, was able to recognize some of her own <laughs> patterns. Yeah, and uh, and and she's gotten to a place where she's, where she's doing pretty well for herself. Yeah, um, really happy about that. I really appreciate her sharing her story with us. Um, she's great. Absolutely. From uh, from Dallas, Georgia. Yeah, my brother's from Georgia. Shout out. Shout out Georgia Dang Um, And I hope she knows that when I say Dallas, Georgia I mean that with (laughs) like
0: The utmost respect (laughs) The
1: utmost respect I just love I love hearing these accents And I just love getting these stories from From, you know People from all over the country And and we're so blessed to have All these people, you know Really just join us and share their stories And and, uh, and, and offer hope, you know Mm -hmm. And And I think that's sort of what it's all about yeah. Um, so I don't want to ruin it too much. No, to this
0: it. is this is a good one, you know. Yeah. And and the delivery of it's great, you know. Her her story I could relate with so much of it. Mm-hmm. And um, she's the first uh, one that, that on, she's only on TikTok. TikTok, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the online community continues to grow and we continue to show that recovery is happening in all these places. Yeah. You know, so, and all
1: these, all these different arenas, you know, which is, it's so inspiring to see yeah, that, you know, re- recovery doesn't look like it used to, you know, it looks like it used to, and it looks like all these other things. yeah. So it's, it's, it's great that along with everything else, it's, it's evolving and the community is just thriving sort of everywhere you look. So yeah. I can really appreciate that. But, with that, let's get into her story. Yes, so too. without further ado, this is Amy's War Story.
2: Hello, my name is Amy. Um, I am 28 years old, a recovering heroin addict. I'm really blessed to be here today to tell my story. Um, beyond appreciative of how things have turned around for me. Um, So eventually, essentially things started for me with prescription pain pills as they often do. Um, I had three surgeries back to back essentially and started getting prescribed Percocets for those surgeries Um, that kind of bore the love for opiates, for me, um, I realized I felt like a better. I, I felt like a better person, you know. I felt like I was more talkative, more confident. I could, you know, get things done more successfully, and I felt like I could maintain that. Um, and for a little while, I did. Um, eventually, those pain pills ran out, and that's when I really got hit hard with the whole addict thing. Um, uh, as everyone can relate, I did not want to accept that I had a problem until all of a sudden I didn't have the pills anymore and I realized I had a major problem, you know? I couldn't go to work. I was freaking out because I couldn't go to work and function correctly without them. So um, from there, it was pretty quickly that I started doing Roxy's. Um, at the time, I had a really beautiful but twisted friendship with the girl um, who Really, we kind of dove into that whole world together. Um, she was my best friend, but we were just the worst of influences on each other. And honestly, just kind of drove each other towards that addiction even more. We started getting Roxie's um, and it was pretty quickly after that, that I graduated to heroin. Um, one day I couldn't get the Roxys. I thought that we were going to get the Roxie's and um, instead, we ended up at the dope man's house. And that was the first time I had tried heroin um, and I went home, you know, and at that point I was so sick. There was there was no, you should just walk away. I, I was an addict, I was in full blown addiction. I needed my fix and I was gonna do anything to do it including heroin, you know, that didn't matter to me. It did, but it didn't. And um, I went home and I cried myself to sleep, but you best bet that I had a bag of heroin under the bathroom seat, you know, um, and that's when all those devastations that come with addiction really started setting in with me. But I honestly was really, really good at saving face. I did not look like an addict. I didn't really play the part of an addict for a while. You know, I held a job down, um, I kept my car, I always had a place to stay. I always kind of felt like I was above that life. Um, I was quickly reminded that I'm not, no one is. Um, But I guess my journey to um, getting clean really started when I read someone's story. Um, Her name is Elena and at the time I was working well, I was supposed to be working, but instead I was sitting in the laundry room floor at work scrolling on Facebook. Um, and I scrolled uh, past a picture and I can still remember with everything in me to this day, that picture, um, it was of Elena, you know, she had the tubes in her throat and um, her mom was wearing a pink shirt and she was laying, you know, just like this, on her daughter's hospital bed and um elena had overdosed from fentanyl i believe it was her fifth overdose she was 22 years old beautiful has a little boy um had the world in front of her unfortunately just like me she was hopelessly addicted and um before she was able to get help she she overdosed um her mom had to take her off of life support and I remember I had read countless stories, hundreds of stories of people overdosing. I knew all the dangers. I knew all of these things, but I continued to use. But for some reason, that day changed everything in my path for me. Um, I read her story, and I went home, and I told my parents that I was an addict. Um, You know, of course, at that point, they had kind of known what's going on. But like, this was the first, like, I really just don't want to be this person anymore. I'm going to admit to it. And I finally did. Um, I ended up reaching out to Cheryl. um, And it was actually this beautiful, odd, like constant itch on my shoulder for like two days and I needed to reach out to this stranger. I didn't know her, I didn't know where she lived. You know, all I knew was her name from a news story and her daughter had had died. Um, but I spent a little time and I found her on Facebook and I reached out to her. And um, to this day, I actually still talk to Cheryl. It, it bore this really beautiful um, friendship uh, support system You know when she took elena off of life support she promised elena that their story would change lives and then here i am to change my life completely you know the moment i decided to hold myself fully accountable was the moment i really started recovering now i had multiple relapses in that period of time um i started with suboxone Um, unfortunately at that time you know i did want the help but I didn't wanna truly do the work that was involved with it. And so I ended up relapsing. Um, I tried going to the methadone clinics. Um, I ended up relapsing, you know, I just, I just wasn't ready. And it's an unfortunate reality of addiction. And people ask me all the time, like, what can I do to help my daughter or my husband or my friend or whatever? And it's really heartbreaking to tell people there's. You can support and love, and give kindness and empathy, and resources, but you can't make an addict want to get help. There's just—I n- loved my parents with everything in me, and I—and it never, it, it never dawned on me what I was doing to them, that I was worrying them every night. You know, my dad—he is actually, um, to this day, dealing with health issues that came with uh, problems. From drugs in when he was 16, 17 years old, he's in stage four kidney failure. He got hepatitis C. Um, I believe he was in second grade when um, when he was uh, diagnosed with that. So my dad's been sick my whole life because of the choices he made when he was very, very young. And uh, you know, now that I am clean, I, I see so clearly I was killing my dad by killing myself. Um, that's pretty devastating to realize but at the time did i ever think about how my dad had to go to sleep every single night and worry about me overdosing no i did not think about it until i read Elena's story and then i started thinking about it and um that really just changed the path for me It, it you know i think it's important to realize that You know in recovery it's not always just a one-step thing it took me a lot of steps you know a lot of relapses a lot of lessons um ultimately after i got off the methadone i did go back into active addiction for quite a while um but one day i just got sick and tired of being sick and tired i remember going to my dad Um, and crawling into his lap, he has a recliner that I've crawled into since I can remember, you know, I'm 28 years old and I still crawl into that recliner and I crawled into his lap and, um, and I just started crying. I just started crying and screaming, screaming so loud, the loudest I've ever screamed. It was like, I was just letting every ounce of the pain and the misery that I had been feeling out. And I just begged him for help. said i need help and um my dad told me um that night i i will never forget it and it's still the driving force to my sobriety to this day he told me amy i cannot die knowing you are sick um you know he very much so realized it is a disease and that i I didn't want this i didn't want to be this way it was just how i was you know and um so at that point that is when I decided to finally go to detox. Um, previously, I'd only done the methadone, the suboxone. I'd only done the medications, thinking that you know I didn't need any of the extra help. You know, the therapy, the mental health help, any of those. I didn't need any of that. But finally, admitted there was so much going on, and I needed help. So, my dad, um, God bless him, stayed up relentlessly, calling hospitals and detox centers and. Um, My understanding is most of the time you have to actually go through a hospital to get into a a detox bed. Um, But my dad made it happen where I didn't have to. Um, I got told that I had a bed at a detox center at 8 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, And I went. And at that point, I had finally gotten to the you know, I just I I really desperately wanted to become the person that I knew I should be, you know. So I went to detox um, and I did get clean from heroin. Um, However, I made what I like, what I would like to say is a mistake, but honestly, it it all led to where I am now. I met a man um, in detox, and, you know, (laughs) the typical um, rehab romance like, yeah, we did that and everybody was joking about like, haha, invite us to the wedding. Um, 11 days later, we went to the courthouse and we had a wedding and we got married. Um, I did not tell my parents, nobody. The way I told my dad, my dad is my hero. I have put him through so much, but the way I told my dad, um, we just walked downstairs. My dad had just met this guy the day before and we handed him the marriage certificate. That was a day, you know, but at that point my parents very much so realized I had already done what I was going to do and I was married to who I thought was the love of my life, you know, um, at that time I was on what they call the pink cloud, you know, I, I thought. I finally did something right. You know, I chose to get off the drugs. I chose to go to detox. I got back on my mental health medications. Like I'm doing well. Of course, God put the love of my life right in front of me at detox. Like, you know, but at the time I really genuinely thought that um, crazy in hindsight, but um, you know, it was, it was good for maybe a month. Um, but there was a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse. Um, Clearly, he was not the man I thought he was. I mean, let's get real, though. I married him after 11 days, um, and it just devastated me. All of a sudden, I realized, like, marriage was very real to me. I, When I committed to him, I really thought that meant something. And then all of a sudden, I had this, to be frank, piece of shit man in front of me that treated me like I was disposable and, you know, snuck around behind my back and cheated and just all those awful things that I ever thought of in a relationship were happening to me with my husband and i did not understand that and um it was pretty quick. We relapsed um that went out of control pretty quickly um and at that point we actually had a wedding like a little backyard wedding ceremony um for my family and friends and the night before um we had relapsed on meth i told myself that because it was meth and not heroin, you know, my drug of choice that I was doing that I was okay. I was in control that I could be a functioning user and everything would be okay. Blah, blah, blah. We know exactly how that goes. The night before uh, the backyard wedding ceremony, I went to pick up some meth. um, And he had a bag of heroin. So I, of course, I bought some heroin. Um, The next thing I remember is waking up on the floor with my brother standing over me. Um, I had overdosed. Um, There was fentanyl in the heroin. I don't even remember putting the heroin up my nose. I don't remember any of it. I just remember my brother, you know, begging me, where's the heroin, where's the heroin? I I gave it to him, he flushed it. Um, My brother had to do some pretty, I guess, intense stuff. I really don't know, like something to my chest to bring me back. Um, He's ex-military, and it left, like, a big bruise, and I remember the day I realized, like, I had to fix all of this and leave this situation was when my husband told me that, because at my wedding, you could see it, you know, or my ceremony, you could see it. Um, It was bruised up, and he told me that he had lost respect for my brother because my brother hurt me. And this is a man that's abused me, you know, like we won't even go into all that, but I just, I realized, no, that's the man that saved my life. That's the man that's been there for me through everything. That's the man that warned me about you. And I didn't listen. Um, but now I'm going to listen, you know, and, and I did, um, pretty quickly after that all happened, he left and I was devastated, but I was free. Um, I wanted to die, but I didn't, and so I chose to go to rehab. Um, I remember I went into my mom's room at like 3 a.m. in the morning. If I'm being honest, high as hell on meth, completely wide awake, but just desperate for help. And I had been talking to a friend, actually, that I had used with for years, that was in rehab, and he had told me, like, "Hey, me come to this place." He told me all about it, and I just remember like sitting in the Floor my room realizing like i did not care if the drugs took me I, you know i died and i got a second chance my brother saved my life yet here i am gambling with it again that is insanity as we know it you know um and i just you know i might have felt a certain way but i still had that logic that that piece of me in the back of my mind that knew this is not the life i wanted and so I think it was really important that at the moment that I felt that way, I held myself accountable and I went and told my mom. Um, I think if I hadn't done it at that moment, the next day I would have woken up and I would have pretended like everything was okay, but I didn't. I went and told her, hey, I've relapsed. Um, I need help. There's this rehab, you know, and I told her all about it. And 24 hours later, I went to rehab. Um, Scariest decision of my life, but by far the best. And that's why I say that marriage, you know, I want to say it was a mistake, but it wasn't at all. Because as, as much as I hate to say this, it didn't matter what my dad said, my brother said, my mom said, my friends said, nobody. It didn't matter what anybody said. I wasn't gonna get clean until I was ready. And it took a man breaking me to that degree to make me ready. Um, and, and so I went to rehab. Um, I did eight months of uh, inpatient rehab. This is when I was living back in Georgia. Um, it taught me everything. I. You know, I needed to know, like for years I'd been trying to get clean, but I had never done any of that internal work. You know, um, there's so much healing to be done. There's so much learning and educating. And I had to learn about really what addiction was and why I was an addict, why I continued to cope these ways, cope with these, um, you know, cope in these ways. Um, and rehab taught me all of that. You know, I dove into NA, I dove into the meetings. I was doing two meetings a day for months. met some of the coolest people in my life, but also, also met some of the worst. I was surrounded by people that had all been struggling the same way I had. And it was, um, it was really therapeutic, really healing, um, but wild. <laughs> but I, I, I highly suggest to anyone, um, you know, they say, I've heard it's not necessarily a drug problem, it's a me problem. and. You know, that really resonated for me when I was in rehab. I realized like I had put the drugs down and I was still making crazy mistakes. I stole a rehab van with the buddy that got me in, you know, that we had been using together for years. Me and him stole a rehab van and totaled it totally sober. And I remember crawling up, like army crawling up a hill, bloody gashed up. And I was like, damn, this this is what they mean. It's a me problem. I'm sober. I'm, and I still am making bad decisions. Um, it was actually in rehab that I did my last relapse that was January 6th of this year. Um, I think it was part of my journey for a reason. It, it knocked me down. It really humbled me. It taught me so much and that was the relapse that changed everything for me and I will never go back. And I have been over 10, uh, 10 months clean since. Um, So rehab saved my life. Anybody that is watching this and that is possibly considering going, um, I spent years denying that I needed that much help because I just was so scared of the stigma, you know? Like, that meant admitting to everyone what had been going on. Of course, my family and close friends knew, but that meant admitting to everybody that maybe I had stolen from or done something suspicious or acted weird, and they thought in their head, like, what's going on with her? All of a sudden, like, when I went to rehab, I had to i had to claim all of that shit you know um i had to hold myself accountable for the person that i had been if i wanted to be the person i wanted to be i had to do that um and that was a terrifying process but i did it um i left rehab in may of this year um and 3 days later i moved to california Um, with a book bag on my back. My brother lives out here um, in San Francisco. And when I left rehab, I just knew, you know, they say people, places, things. Um, I think I am clean to this day because I I left all of that. Um, I had created such a toxic environment for myself. um, And I just saw, I just knew myself at that point. I knew that if I went back to my hometown, I would go back to doing the same thing. You know i almost got back with my husband which would have been the worst mistake but i was not i just knew that if i went back home i was not going to thrive there i was never meant to thrive there and so i moved to california um my life has changed completely since being out here um i actually decided to make a TikTok page um and you know for a while I had been laughing at it, you know that kids app and like everybody dances on there, blah blah blah, you know, all the making fun of. Um, but one day I, I got I got it, I got the app and I had posted you know a few videos, um, but I was having a hard day one day and I just posted a video that kind of shared my recovery story on there. Um, and I went to sleep. I remember waking up the next day and. I was terrified when I went to sleep. I was nervous about it because I was just like, what is this opening me up to? You know, I was scared that like posting this meant that, you know, everybody like putting it online was a big deal because I had I had held myself accountable to the people like, you know, that knew me and all those things. But that was like, hey, you really are an addict. Like, let's, let's put it out on the table. But I did, um, I was so scared to do that. But I woke up the next morning to so much love and admire admiration and you know just support um hundreds of comments of people just telling me how proud they were of me of strangers telling me how proud they were of me you know sometimes that almost means more it's almost more powerful um and that was the day that social media changed for me. I hated social media. I had been relentlessly bullied by a girl on social media previously, like it had been toxic in my life. Um, But all of a sudden, it was this really beautiful thing. And I remember with Elena, I had told my family and my friends, everyone knew about Elena and Cheryl, you know, everybody knew her story. And I always talked about how Elena's story changed my life. And I knew that I had a testimony that maybe could change a life out there too. But I was never brave enough to share it. I was terrified to share it. I thought that, I thought that I would be met with so much judgment and hate. Um, So I spent a lot of time not sharing it. Um, The day I decided to recover out loud, um, everything has changed for me and I now, I think I almost have like 94,000 people recovering addicts following me on TikTok and um, following my story and my journey. Um, It's the most beautiful thing for my life to have finally come full circle. You know, I remember watching people's videos and, and thinking like, there's no way that life is for me, but today that life is for me and I'm making the videos that maybe somebody out there is thinking maybe that life can be for me too, you know? Um, That's all I'm trying to do is show anyone that this is possible for anybody, you know? I was not supposed to make it out. I was the girl that was not gonna make it out. But here I am, you know, 10 months clean. Um, I had somebody telling me the other day that my video made them put a needle down, you know? Uh, I think there's so much power in telling our stories. I think there's so much power in recovering out loud. Um, There's always somebody that's listening that maybe relates to one single little piece of your story and that can change everything for them. Um, Don't be scared to share your truth. Um, Don't be scared to admit to being the person you were because life is forever changing. We always have the opportunity to change with it. You know, Um, I can promise you that... By far, my best day sober or my best day high will always be way worse than my worst day sober. You know, um, today I can handle life on life's terms. I I can handle emotions and grief and pain without having to put a straw up my nose to handle it. That is freedom. And I wish that for anybody. Um, So if you're watching this and you're wondering if maybe you should chase it too i can promise you that it's worth it um if you want to follow my journey on tiktok my handle is amy's world a-m-y-z-w-r-l-d i hope to see you there thank you
1: thank you amy yeah i agree man it's all uh, it's all worth it yeah every bit of it
0: my my best day using fuck all that this yeah. is this is so much better it's tough though it's tough getting here you know but I I agree you know that the pain I went through is now worth it because I'm able to share it understand it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: identify with other people and hopefully like she does you know share a a message that other people relate with and I get to help other people because of the way that I suffered you know
1: well and that for me like what that does is it, it it gives it all a reason Right? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, it wasn't all for naught. Like, every bit of pain, every every bit of everything that I ever felt or had to deal with, which was excruciating, you know? Like, all becomes worth it when I can share it with another individual, yeah. and that individual can hopefully get the help they need or see some hope yeah. in it, right? Yeah. So, I just... I loved her story, man. I identified with it so much. Yeah. Like, probably the, the main thing that I identified with, like, she... She had back-to-back surgeries. Her thing was all pills, right? It's mm-hmm. all pills up until a point where she couldn't get pills. Yep. And then, boom. And
0: that's a big part of your story. So
1: similar, man. Like yeah. I was so close. It was so close, you know, to to pulling that same trigger. I had heroin on the way. Yeah. On the way, I had an order out for heroin. You know, and uh, and and I'm just so grateful that i I never had to go there but you know um but it's just it's so fascinating to me that that i can get so much value from from another person's story just just i can totally relate with that and 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 hearing how she's continued to go through it and 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 come back yeah you know she's not without her own patterns
0: yeah for sure sure. and you know one of the things that she reminded me of listening to her story is you know it sounded like she found the sickest person in the room like I did and yeah, you know, it, it wasn't 11 days. I didn't get married after 11 days. Mm. I think that might be a record, Amy. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I love that. That part's great. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't suggest and there's a reason, you know, that that it's not suggested, but I I found the sickest girl in the room. Well, she found the sickest guy in the room. Uh-huh. You know, my ex-wife and and we got married and it was a disaster, mm-hmm. you know. We relapsed yeah. together. Right. Also, you yeah. know, I could identify with that. Uh, that pattern of uh, just trying to be okay without mm-hmm. a without a program, without a direction.
1: Oh, because it's so it's so hard. Like, what do we do? Like, you you take away those things that we've been using as a crutch for so mm-hmm. long, and it's like, what are we left with? Well, really, we're left with nothing, and so we try to fill it up with whatever we can,
0: right? Like, mm-hmm. if
1: we're lucky, we get to fill it up with program. Yeah, you know, and and those positive people that that we get to meet and see through these programs through through AA, through TikTok, like through Instagram, yeah. whatever whatever recovery community we, we get to involve ourselves in, we can fill up, you know, that emptiness that, that is left when we remove those drugs and alcohol, right? Okay? Yeah. And sometimes I want to fill it up with relationships with people we've only known for 11 days. Yeah and i love i love to hear her tell that cuz she's like it's the best and the worst thing that's happened to me and she's she said that first she was like well what happened was the best and worst thing that happened to me and i was just like what is she gonna
0: yeah what's she, what's gonna, she
1: gonna say and then it was like i got married and i was like oh maybe it worked out oh but it didn't work out but it's still the best thing that happened to her you know yeah. what i mean and <clears> and i think that that's sort of what we all strive for is like Really just being so okay with everything that's happened to us that, that we could share that openly. And, and I really applaud her for, for coming out. I know it wasn't easy for her. Yeah,
0: she says, you know, you, you know how am I going to be received? How will this, I'm going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and her reaching out to a surviving mother is just incredible. You know, that oh, was just, a moment for her. Yeah, and it was a moment for me. Like mm-hmm. I could, I could feel that. You know, I could, I could feel how important that is for her. And I think it's just great that 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 mother reached back. You yeah, know? it's just such a, you know, it puts it puts perspective the amount of love that is still in this world. You oh, know, yeah. which I think is far greater than the amount of fear and hate.
1: Man, know? I hope so. I think it is. Yeah.
0: You know, we got people like Amy. We got people like um, uh, I can't remember that mother's name right now. But uh, you know, people like that. You know, all the people that share their stories on on the podcast. You know, and and the way that she talks about her dad now and right. the relationship that she has with him. Like, mm-hmm. that's what recovery can do. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that getting sober, getting clean can do is put you in a position to have super fulfilling relationships with the people that you love and the mm-hmm. people that love you most and put you in relationships with people that you would have never, ever right. been able to connect with prior, you know, mm-hmm. like this.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, very good point. Like you, like, Yeah. I never would have been friends with a dude like you. <laughs> yeah, nobody would.
0: Nobody <laughs> would think anybody was friends with a dude like me, but... I think a lot of people would be my friend now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's funny because she reminded me, like, not to say that I've forgotten, but, you know, like, I, too, had a friend that was the co-signer of all my bullshit, right? Like, that that I really, I drink and used with this person almost exclusively. And we were just, we would just feed off each other's negativity. And, you know, for a while, we were sober together, you know? Um, Unfortunately, he went back out. I would be curious to see, you know, what what happened with that relationship with her. Um, But, you know, fortunately, we get to make new relationships. And and the relationships that I have now with you, with Jordan, with the people that we meet via this podcast is something I never, never, never would have guessed. And it's all a gift that has come from me having a problem with drugs and alcohol. And I think that that in and of itself says a lot about
0: it about that. It's made the pain worth it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: For sure. Thank you, Amy.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you, Amy. I really appreciate it. And uh and thank you. Yeah, and if and again if you guys are interested in sharing your story, we'd love to hear it. Um you can uh, contact us on Instagram, just DM us. We are at the other side of Hell 101 or you can contact us via Gmail at the other side of hell at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas or suggestions or want to share your story. Or if you're struggling, please don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but with that, great show. Great, great show today, show. man. Great you topic. Feel?
0: Yeah. I feel, I feel whole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think this is just what I needed today.
0: Yeah. For sure. So yeah. thanks for being here for me. You're welcome. And thank you for everybody that's tuned in. Yeah. Listening and watching. Thanks, Jordan, for all you do. Yeah, thanks for chiming in there. Yeah, with your truth bomb. Yeah, man, I, I enjoy this as a
3: pattern. I get, I, I'm down with this pattern of creating a podcast for sure. He's pretty
1: witty when he wants to be witty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, until the
1: next time, this is Cameron saying you are
0: worth the work. And this is Willie saying we'll see you on the other side.
1: This is Cameron again saying thanks, buddy
0: saying goodbye. Goodbye.